Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is Stephen Moe, and today we're going to be speaking with Leighton Evans, who's the chief executive of the Rata Foundation. Here's an excerpt from the interview with Leighton. Probably the other big one was, was my wife keeps challenging me about what's my true north and staying true to myself. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes when we're busy and, and we're into big roles or we're into big events or, you know, the busyness of life, we're into five kids and a family, <laughs> you, you can lose a bit of, bit of perspective. So I think the other lesson that, that she's mentored me a lot about is how do I stay true to myself and be comfortable in my own shadow is another term that, that we've, that's been shared. So, mm. yeah, I think that's really important for people. Mm. Now, in next week's episode, we'll be speaking with Camille Young about architecture and community building. If you don't want to miss out on that and upcoming episodes, then hit subscribe. And there's also almost 30 other interviews in the back catalog, so you might want to check those out. And I also want to say a particular shout out to Helen Shorthouse and Dorinda Britton, who both posted on LinkedIn about two weeks ago. And on that day, there was 141 people who listened to the show. So having other people post about episodes that they enjoy really helps to get these stories out. So thank you for those who've done that. It really does help. Now let's get into this interview with Leighton. All right. So it's great to welcome Leighton Evans, the CEO of Rata Foundation. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Stephen. It's been great to be here. Thank you. And um, on this podcast, what we do is we talk about purpose. And in order to do that, what I like to do is um, go into the background of a person in their life, where they're from, you know, get some, get some history, and then talk about what they're doing now. And particularly with Rata Foundation, just thinking through some of the things that are going on here in Christchurch and, and the wider Canterbury, South Island. Um, yeah, so we'll get into that later. But to start with, can we just talk a little bit about your own background and where you're from? Look, my background is that I love learning and um, love challenging myself. And I suppose I come from the east coast of the North Island in a place called Gisborne. Mm. And there it was about um, the different experiences, you know, understanding people, um, having a range of different perspectives of, of life. And I suppose that, that in a practical sense has manifested itself uh, through a career through local government for a while, uh, into private enterprise and, and finally into community trusts. Mm. So I ran the Eastland Community Trust in Gisborne for just under eight years and, and then obviously moved down down to, to Christchurch here. And I suppose through that career, um, my career, I've now evolved from challenging myself to actually supporting, nurturing and challenging others right. and, and teams and, and encouraging them to be the best that they can be. Mm. And when uh, you when you when you talk about Gisborne, is that um, so? Your childhood was spent there. Yeah, look, we grew up. I my family moved there when when I was young, and grew up there and went through the schooling system there. Mm. Uh, it's a pretty much like most rural New Zealand. It's a small community, and and um, everybody knows everybody. And and I really enjoyed that time. It's a bit of a seaside town, mm-hmm. a bit of a holiday destination. So it comes with a really unique, different lifestyle, especially if, as you go further up the coast. Mm. Um, Another mm. interesting thing about that community is, is half the population is Maori. Mm. So that blends you, and, and I think it, I've been better for it, yeah. Yeah, it would have had a really big impact, I guess, going to school and having a different perspective. Yeah, look, I think um, 
I suppose you know, part about challenging yourself is pushing out yourself outside comfort zones and certainly coming from a European background, um, participating in, in a Māori setting, uh, yeah, it was challenging but uh, really rewarding as well. Yeah, and how would you describe yourself as a child or, you know, a young adult? What sort of things were you into? I suppose I, suppose I was into sports, like most young fellas. Mm. In New Zealand, yeah, so I did play a lot of sport. Um, I was reasonably, um, I suppose, extroverted and um, liked to make a lot of, lot of friends uh, and connections around the community, um, which sort of have endured, uh, I suppose, into my working career as well. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously being based in Gisborne, I get to use a lot of those relationships and, and um, doing some really neat things up in that community. Mm. And in high school, um, did you know what you wanted to study or what you wanted to do in terms of a career? Like, looking back, could you have predicted where you are now or what uh, were you like? Yeah, n- n- no. That's <laughs> the answer to that question. Yep. Uh, look, uh, up until till probably five or six years ago I still wasn't really sure what I wanted to right. do and what difference I wanted to make um, yep. so I suppose I, I went through a, through a process of keeping the doors open and just seeing where I was led and, mm. and where where things opened up and where things didn't mm. uh, and so yeah no I, didn't, I certainly didn't um, have a career aspiration to yep. to lead um, the Rata Foundation that's for sure yeah yeah and so sort of moving from high school on um, what happened next in terms of where you went or did you stay there Oh no no well, I I met a Gisborne girl mm-hmm. and then we got married mm-hmm. uh, and as as you do you know I did the tertiary education thing and, and all the rest of it and started a career in local government. Mm. Where um, where did you study? So I studied at Massey University. Oh yeah. Uh, so I did some time down in Palmerston North mm-hmm. uh, and then I finished my degree actually extramurally through the um, a council cadet program up in Gisborne. Mm-hmm. So and that's then I sort of met my wife and then we got married and. As you do, you have have children and, and buy a house and do all those sorts of things and, mm. and yeah, so so that was where I was sort of based for a long time mm. um, and ingrained me in that community. Uh, it was a great yeah. So that was sort of the story mm. for, for secondary school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. And when you talk about local government, was that the first thing that you got into? Or? Oh, I, I worked I worked briefly um, at a high school. Uh-huh. Which which was an all girls high school, and as as uh, fresh out of uni, um, working all guys girls high school, as you can imagine, had a few challenges. Uh, so I so I didn't last that long there, and then um, yeah, moved into council um, and had several roles roles through council, but ended up the senior water engineer, looking after the water supply mm. uh, network up there, and then um, did also solid waste rubbish. Uh, Wastewater, stormwater, mm. all that sort of thing, and it's one of the sides of councils, isn't it, that people don't think about, but just the, you know, the the rubbish collection and the the roads and like there's a lot going on behind the scenes, isn't there? Yeah, look, I think in some ways councils get a bit of a rough time, but um, you know, my, the way that I described my job was to make sure that when you open, when you turn a tap on in the morning, water came out and it was safe to drink, and mm. I think, you know, that it, at essence talks about some of the council services that that they should be um silent Mm. um and i think new zealand by and large um, does get a pretty good deal around um, good service delivery from local authorities around some of those essential services Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah, that's good at any point did you think you would go offshore or you know go to europe or do an oe type thing or 
Oh, not really. I, I, I suppose it just never sort of worked out like, like that. Mm. Um, I remember after I'd been in council for about 10 years, the chief executive told me that I needed to leave and get a real job, uh, which was kind of interesting. Um, and by that, he sort of meant that I needed to go into private enterprise and really um, get a wider breadth of experience uh, than what I what I had gained through the local authority process. So, yeah, I went out building roads, contracting for a while. Okay. Uh, did that for three years. Um, there's a bit of a story that, that I might share later about um, how to work really long hours and what that does on a, on a personal life. But mm. uh, So I did that, that for three years and then uh, realised actually there was more than just making money. Right. And so that's what drew me into the, the community trust sector because it sort of balances both a public service as well as a private enterprise model. Right. It sort of sits in the middle of both of them. Yeah. Well, so do you want to tell that story now? Because it probably fits in. Yeah, look, uh, I suppose um, one of the things that, that's really important for me is, is around getting the right balance, mm. both whether that be um, in balance across mental wellness, emotional wellness, physical wellness, and spiritual wellness. Mm-hmm. And w- one thing I found working um, contracting was that I was doing 70-hour weeks. Right. Uh, we just had our fifth child, um, right? <laughs> and my wife um, quite clearly pointed out that um, you know it was either the family or the job. At one yeah. point, to put it bluntly, and so that sort of made me really just check as to what was really important for me. Mm. Uh, and so that was a particular moment that you recall, like there was a conversation yeah. that happened, and yeah, 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 yeah definitely. It was um, mm-hmm. I remember coming home and we're having a pretty robust conversation about it yep. and um yeah so well once you get to five kids there's quite a lot on in a, in a life isn't there <laughs> yeah look it's, it's a busy time and certainly um my wife's a saint um and she's she's been great yeah. so yeah I, I don't think you can do it by yourself i take my head off to solo parents i, I think yeah. i think they're amazing people because yeah. you know i know how hard it is when there's two of you working on it yeah just one person so. yeah well it's not i don't have five kids but i do have four kids and so <laughs> i yeah. often say you know my wife works harder than i do because it is just it, it, she's there's constant you know it's there's always something <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. so it's, it's um, a, our house is a busy house yeah busy house i can yeah, tell you that yeah so. I, I believe it and so once you'd had that sort of epiphany or you know that uh thought that you wanted to do something different um how did you go about finding out what that was well, I suppose, you know, if I look back, I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't really know where that was, was going to lead me. What what I knew was that working working 70 hours a week wasn't sustainable. Yeah. And so there needed to be a bit more, you know, I'm not really into the, the term work-life balance because, yeah, I just don't think that's, mm. I quite like working. Mm. And, and so for me, work, work is, is a bit of life. So, yeah. but anyway. Just on that bit. I've um, heard a great phrase recently, which is work-life integration. Yeah. The idea yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's great. you know, like, um, because I agree with you, like work is important. I, I'm quite busy um, like you, I'm sure, you know, but that that's part of my life as well. It's not like I cut off who I am, like I, when I go home, that I'm a different person to who I am when I'm at work, you know, to, to yeah. be consistent across, to integrate your life and your work is... Well, it, it, it kind of goes beyond just the balance because the balance implies that work isn't good and life is good, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. actually, the, in the ideal world, I guess, your work can actually be part of your life and you can be fulfilling a purpose as well. 
Oh, look, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so what were the steps that you took then to find out or you or did an opportunity pre- present yeah, itself? Yeah, it, it was, a, again, I've, I've been re- really blessed with the right opportunities at the right time and, yep. and, and doors opening when they needed to open. So, yep. so the opportunity presented itself and um, at that stage the trust was looking for someone that had really good good connections in a community and, mm-hmm. and yeah the rest is history so yeah mm. so you stepped into that role was there a long transition time from the the private sector work back in or actually it, actually no right. um, yeah no it took a couple of months sort of um the day after we had the conversation um there was something in the paper and and i applied and it was it was all done within a couple of months so wow. you know it was, it was a really quick process actually yeah. um and, and it, yeah, aligned perfectly. So Yeah. Oh, that's great. Because sometimes I talk to people and it's a year-long or longer process, you know, of trying to work out what the next step is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how long did you stay in that next role for then? Was that so it was just, just under eight years. I okay. was with the Eastland Community Trust. Um, okay. and, and that started, uh, we started with, with quite a small fund um, and there was, there was, I was the first employee and then, uh, yeah, it grew from there. And um, when I left, they had around about $550 million worth of assets and, and mm. they had eight, nine employees. So mm. um, administering a grant program okay, uh, in, into that community. So we were doing some really good work. Mm. Uh, what sort of things there. was was it? Oh, we did, we did a lot of um, community community building so a lot of events and and making sure that that our community resilience was was high yep uh we did a lot of infrastructure builds um and and contributing to to community assets and all that sort of thing uh and, and so is that like community halls and schools yeah, and know, things the- or? theaters right. and 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 all that sort of stuff uh, mm-hmm. walkways uh, and then we um also did a lot of work around the economic development space and so um yeah, not only did we do um, training and, and, and support for businesses, but we actually uh, purchased a, a sawmill hmm. uh, and, and tried some direct job creation. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. It was one thing that was really interesting about that job was it blended um, cold hard commercial world versus warm heart community world. I see. And and so I actually really enjoy that variety. I really enjoy that that type of work, and I suppose that's what's led me to Rata. And I guess that kind of tension in a way as well right like making a business sustainable but then achieving outcomes that benefit society yeah yeah because um one um one mentor of mine he described it as well if you make a lot of money what are you making it for Mm -hmm. and i think you know that that's a good question Mm you know how do we leave things better than when we got here Mm -hmm. and so that's probably driven you know the the latter half of my career really to date Mm -hmm. so was that something? Um, how did that advice come about? Oh, I think I think it came about because because when I entered into the community trust space, I came from quite a commercial world, and so I put quite a commercial lens on it, and so everything became about growing the money. It became about how do I make the trust fund larger? How do I grow the fund? How do I, you know, diversify the fund? How do I how do I make more money? Uh, and and I'm not sure I had the balance right between the community and commercial side of things. Yeah. So that, yeah. You know, so so that conversation came up because he challenged me about that. Mm-hmm. And um, one one thing I've really enjoyed is is people challenging me, right. challenging me by perception and challenging me how I see the world. Uh, and so yeah, I I look for those things as well. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, apart from that challenge, is there any others that stand out to you that people have laid for you that um, looking back you realize it was really significant in your life? Yeah, I suppose. Um, the, the, probably the other big one was, was my wife keeps challenging me about what's my true north and staying true to myself. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes when we're busy and, and we're into big roles or we're into big events or, you know, the busyness of life, we're into five kids and a family, <laughs> you, you can lose a bit of bit of perspective. So I think the other lesson that, that she's mentored me a lot about is how do I stay true to myself and be comfortable in my own shadow is another term that, that we've, that's been shared. So, mm. yeah, I, I think that's really important for people. Mm. Mm. And true north in the way that you're meaning is uh, not losing focus and going off to the east or the west, but actually... Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and, and sometimes when, when you're really busy, you can you, you forget that and, and you just get busy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having someone or something that, that points you back to actually, what is my purpose? What is my directionality? How do I... Am I on the right track? Yeah. Um, am I contributing what I want to contribute? Am I spending my time in the ways I want to spend it? You know, yeah. That, I think that's really important. Yeah, I agree with you. It's actually a theme that comes out in some of these interviews is the idea that people say they're busy, but they're just, you know, busyness for the sake of busyness. There's one episode with um, Kit Hendon from Ministry of Awesome, and we, we talk quite a lot about that, yeah. about uh, we're constantly being asked, how are you, and get the answer, busy, busy, busy. But, um, you know, you think, well, what are you busy on, you know, and yeah. getting to the true... Um, Getting a bit deeper. Mm. Well, and, and I suppose that because everyone's only got a fixed amount of resource, right? So it, it's typically time, energy, knowledge, or money. You mm. know, and, and there's a fixed amount of that that we have at any particular time. And so how we use that resource yes. and what are we using that for is really important. And yep. it's a decision that we have to make every day. Yeah. And so I suppose I I have a, have a view that that purpose allows us to maximise the value that those things create. Mm. Um, I remember reading a book um, by Ben Hunt Davis, who was a uh, the Great Britain, Britain rower, mm-hmm. and he talks about yeah, how do we make the boat go faster? You know, and, and purpose for me is about how do we make sure we align our resources and and what we what we bring to the table to make the boat go faster, whatever that boat is, right? Um, whether it be in a personal context or a business context. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do we make that boat go faster? Mm. So I think that's what purpose and focus is about. Mm. Um, no, yeah. I like that. That's really good. It's a good image, you know, the, uh, and keeping the true north as well, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, because um, you know, keeping mm. true north, is, you know, how do you make sure your values and your actions are aligned to yes. your purpose? And so yes. there's, there's a whole lot of alignment through there. Yeah. Um, Recognising life is short too. And so, yeah. you know, how, how do we, we get on and yeah. do what we've got to do? Yeah, exactly. I, I agree completely. I mean, the um, and I love what you're saying because it is such a good reminder. The reason I'm doing this podcast, or one of them, is that I'm hoping people can hear conversations like this and just be reminded to focus again on what their purpose is because it's so easy to get distracted, and I get distracted too. Um, you know, the, but to come back to that, as you described it, the true north, like why am I doing it and what am I doing? Yeah, look, and I, and I think. You know, as, as you point out, in a busy world, sometimes we've actually got to stop and reflect around that. Mm. And I think that that's um, something that that I, I, I enjoy doing, but, mm. but it's also quite challenging, you know, just taking time to go, actually, am I in the right place? Because mm-hmm. um, we can get distracted by busyness. Yeah. We get distracted. Yeah. 
No, that's good. So we're up to your, you've been eight years in this role. <laughs> yes. And I, um, how did the transition happen to come to Christchurch? And, you know, <laughs> you, I think we were chatting before, you've been in this role for six weeks, as yeah. at the date of this recording. <laughs> yeah. So um, just talk us through how that opportunity came up and why you've um, come down. Well, I suppose I, I saw, a v- you know, my wife and I were just talking about a few things and, and saw that, um, you know, there's a long time to retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the question really came up um, at ECT, well, it might, what what was next? Mm-hmm. And after eight years, or not quite eight years, you know, it was time for the organisation to have, an, have mm-hmm. someone else um, leading that, and it was probably healthy for me as well. So uh, f- fortunately I saw this role being advertised, and, and again it, it happened relatively quickly. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I, I took over um, mid-October. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So the family moves down after Christmas because um, mm-hmm. they're just finishing the school year and yep. and we're starting a new life in Christchurch. Yeah. So. And what did you know about Christchurch before? Because it sounds like you'd yeah. lived in the North Island most of your, well, your life. <laughs> so Yeah, um, I, I actually, actually didn't know much about Christchurch at all. I'd, I'd mm-hmm. been here on a holiday for a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was my grand experience of Christchurch. Sure. Fortunately, my my sister she lives out in Rolleston, uh, just out of town. So, um, I had a little bit of a feel f- feel for it. Mm. Um, but yeah, came down here. I, I must admit, my first time down here, I walked off the plane and it was snowing. <laughs> and coming from Gisborne, which is a seaside town, thought, oh, "What's all this about?" <laughs> so that was that what was am interesting. I doing? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what am I doing down here? But um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Well, we'll have to teach you the benefits of, you know, the ski fields are an hour away. So there's some pluses on that side. (laughs) Yeah, look, you know, I suppose that's that's the thing that that for me, it's about how do I keep challenging myself through experiences and and growing and developing. And you don't don't grow and develop if you're staying inside the box. So, you know, Christchurch for me and my family are about an opportunity to Mm. have new experiences and experience the ski fields and experience... Uh, the the northwest winds and the easterly winds and and all those yeah. things as well, um, <laughs> but a, but obviously a big urban centre. The the Christchurch earthquake process has interested me in, mm-hmm. in terms of you know what effect that has on communities mm. and, and 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 what's your perso- as a relative newcomer down? What's your sort of first impressions or take on that side of things? Oh, I think a lot of. Um, I suppose it's a latent thing inside people still that, that went through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, those, those things affected them on a really personal level, a lot of people. So um, coming from the North Island and not going through that experience, sometimes it's a little bit um, hard to to recognise that and, mm-hmm. and to sort of connect with that. But, um, look, I, th- I think one thing that's really impressed me about Canterbury people is their resilience around that mm. and... And I suspect that's a New Zealand thing because we're, we're quite re- resilient as a people. But, um, yeah, certainly the Canterbury people down here ha- have made some real real big moves forward. I think mm. as the rebuild, the commercial rebuild gets more momentum and I think you know, in the next five to ten years is going to be a, an interesting um, space to operate in that commercial rebuild. Mm. Um, you know, and as, as the memory time improves the memory, you know, the, the memory of the event, I, th- I think the community will keep growing. Mm. Um, it, it's also a great opportunity, you know, 
for the community to really think about well what do we want to look like yeah you know because it was almost yeah it was a tragic it was a tragic reset button Mm. um, and you never wish to go through that Mm. but um you know there is an opportunity for the community to think actually what where do we want our assets and where do we want our communities and what do we want them to look like and feel like yeah well, now you're here, you get to be part of it and, and uh, build something new. Like I, I often yeah. think it, the earthquakes happen now as it, we're recording this, you know, several years ago. Yeah, that's but right. that's not that long in the scheme of decades. Like, it's still relatively recent. And so, the, you know, people like you and I, who because I've been back about two years, um, I grew up in Christchurch but oh. had moved away for about 15 years. And um, so to come back and be part of the rebuilding process you know, we're still here and things are still being built, as you know. <laughs> so it's a great chance to be a part of that um, community as it grows. Yeah, look, and, and I think, you know, Grata's, you know, res- responsibility and position in that, mm. I, I feel very privileged to be able to have an input into that. Yeah. Um, but also treat it, treat that with the respect that it deserves. Mm. Um, yeah. So... Well, why don't we talk a little bit about Rata? I have some other questions yeah, yeah, for sure. you just about, um, yeah, w- but we'll come back to those. Okay, cool. <laughs> but just thinking about Rata, and, and can you describe, because obviously we've got people listening who are based in the States or in the UK or, you know, it's actually quite a wide people listening. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just give a little rundown in terms of, I guess, how it began and, and what it's doing now? Sure. So 30 years ago, there was a series of banks that were owned. They were called the Trust Bank, right. and they were sold. And the profits of those banks, the bank sales, were distributed amongst the country, and and that formed an endowment that the foundation was built from. Mm-hmm. We um, currently have around about six hundred million dollars New Zealand and and in, in invested. And we have a, a grant program of around about twenty million dollars a year. Right. So, so we get to give twenty million dollars into the the Canterbury, Nelson, Marlborough, and the Chatham Islands. Mm. So it's quite a quite a geographically spread region. Yeah, um, mm. it's it's New Zealand's second largest. So above us is Foundation North out of Auckland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I suppose we've got a a role to play at. We're the largest in the South Island. Mm-hmm. So, you know. We think really hard about how we can influence and affect the people around us, not only with our granting funds, but also, I suppose, our mana and and how we behave in the community. Mm, mm. Um, we've got some key funding areas that we like, and um, and it's around connecting people together. It's about participating in sport and culture. Uh, it's about supporting organisations, and it's about um, helping kids get a great start in life through a learning program. Right. So you know. Uh, we've sort of targeted some some areas that we want to fund, and um, we're going from there. Mm. Oh, that's great! And what what sort of team is there? We're we're meeting in your offices here. Um, yeah. How many people are here in the in the team here in Christchurch? Yeah, so we've got uh, seventeen people based here. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we've got seventeen people. Uh, most of those are associated with our grant program. Our, our investment, you know, managing our investment work is actually done. Um, off-site by, yeah. a, by a specialist organisation that, that supports us with that. So mm. um, interestingly enough, it's, again, trying to balance that that commercial reality versus the community heart. Yeah. And so um, it's one of the things that attract me to Rata, and, and I think they're doing it reasonably well. Mm. And if someone out there um, 
was interested in learning more, I guess the website's the best place yeah. to start. Is yeah, website's the best place to start, but and we regularly hold um, funding meetings around and, and community community meetings around our funding regions of Canterbury, Nelson, Marlborough, mm. and the Chatham Islands. So yeah. But if, if people fit those criteria that you described before, those are sort of your target or your priority areas. So people could come forward with an idea and there'd be application forms to fill in and funding rounds and that type of thing. Yeah, look, it's all it's all done online. Yep. Um, and yeah, you fill it, click the boxes, do what you do, and then you push right. send and, and it goes into our system. And then one of the grants teams usually, grants team usually gives you a call and mm-hmm. has a bit of a chat to them, make sure we know what you're doing. And, and then... Um, yeah, we, we take it through our funding process. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, as you know, one of my special interests is social enterprises. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about social enterprises and how it kind of fits within the scheme of what you're doing and, and sure. aiming to do. Yeah, look, I, personally, I, I love social enterprises. And the reason I, I, I really like um, social enterprises is because of, of how they operate. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the blend between commercial mm-hmm. reality and, and community heart. And, and I suppose, you know, as as the journey progresses, that that the the line between what's a commercial activity and what's a social service are, are going to blur further. Mm. Um, you know, typically it, people have tried to think about, well, I'm I'm a commercial entity, so I've got to make money. Mm-hmm. I've got to make money. Mm-hmm. And then other entities think, well, I'm a social service, so I've got to look after people. Look after people. Yeah. So how? And I how can't we, make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, yep. and so how do we actually blend the two of those so that I can make money yep. and look after people at the same time? Yeah. So, in very well, and it's not only about looking after people, but it might be environmental projects or it might be a whole range of them. So, yeah. so I like social enterprise. Yep. Um, Rata's. I think that just I know you you're going to tell us more about Rata's position yeah. things, but yesterday I was doing a little presentation with um, Sean Barnes from Akina Foundation, right, yeah, and yeah. we had people around a table, and basically this side of the table we said you're the traditional charity side, yes. and so the word that we want you to remember is purpose, and then this side of the table you're the you know traditional company side, and the word we want you to remember is profit. And at the yeah. end of the discussion, it was really robust, really interesting conversation. We were just basically saying, where's the blending between purpose and profit right here in the middle of the table, which is kind of the domain potentially of the social enterprise type idea. Uh, yeah, look, exactly. And I think in the past we've put them as, as you say, pots at two, yeah, well, actually, two extremes. Or <laughs> yeah, I actually think it's more of a continuum now. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and so, yeah. you know, we're in the continuum to do certain, I think social enterprise is that sort of gray area in yeah, the middle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's one that people don't really understand yet, but I've, I'm hopeful to, to start grasping it more. So, yeah. So, anyway, um, back to Rata Foundation. Yeah, so and just yeah. how does it treat, um, if somebody came with a social enterprise idea, like how would you um, go through the process of talking to them or... Um, working out if there's any funding opportunities. Yeah, look, I, th- I think because the the industry is quite new in New Zealand, mm. that most organisations are in the startup phase. Yep. And the challenge that uh, gives for Rata is that by nature we're a conservative trust because we're looking after essentially public money. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, uh, you know, those early social enterprise startups probably don't sit fit our mm. fit our risk profile. Uh, but but certainly growing scale in social enterprise, and, and you know we've been doing a bit of work with a couple of social enterprises that are looking to get to scale. You know that they've right. been through the proving model, they've yeah. got started, 
they've validated that they can operate they just now go well how do we get yeah how do we get larger and, and there's actually influence? wonderful examples in Christchurch isn't there like Kilmarnock Enterprises I can yeah. think of you know like Michelle Sharp was actually the first one I interviewed for the right. podcast and you know wonderful story of what they're doing and Pathway another one Pathways, in yeah. Christchurch you know that um, it, they've got both the charitable trust and the businesses operating so yeah. Yeah. Look, and I and I think I think um, probably the biggest social enterprises are actually the iwi entities. Mm, um, yeah. And I think you know you look at, at awesome um, organisations like Naitahu and, and what yep. they're doing and and balancing that commercial and social activity. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think um, multi entities have been doing mm. this for a while. So I yeah. think there's a lot of things that the sector could learn learn from, from those experiences. I agree with you completely, yeah. I, I actually think we need to go back to some of those concepts that that come from Maori culture and look at them again <laughs> because there's so much r- richness and depth there that has maybe yep. not been appreciated. Um, and, and some of the things that we talk about now, you know, community and, and building up connections, and those are things that have been for you know forever in that in that culture and and we there's some one i'm actually writing an article now where i'm i'm going to hopefully go into more depth about this and try to pull out some of those concepts and say you know these are things that we should hang our hat on yeah yeah look i couldn't agree more and, and certainly growing up on the east coast mm. um by nature that we were socially enterprise minded yeah so yeah it's good to see that it's now becoming a little bit more mainstream and people are starting to put a little bit more effort into de- yeah. developing that that business type yeah uh, so if a social enterprise was able to get a charity number um and went down that route would it does it make it more acceptable to get funding yeah so well i suppose there's two elements to that one is if you're looking for a grant mm. from from rata then you have to be charitable yeah so yeah until you're charitable then the answer is no, and it's not because we don't like the social enterprise or, or, or the outcomes. It's just you're not an organisation that, that we can legally support. Yep. Uh, the other flip side of that is that you know potentially over time we'll be an investor of some nature. Mm. Um, you know whether that be um, offering people loans or um, and we've we've done community social loans, mm. or whether it become we become an equity investor. Mm. Um, so is that something you're looking into more, you think, yeah, going th- forward? Or? Well, I think it, as, as the sector develops and, and people's understanding of that becomes a little bit better, mm. I think you'll find that, that there'll be more investment that heads that way. Yep. I think it, it's really early days for, for that piece. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, <laughs> RATA's got to be careful that it, that it balances its risk profile versus mm. some, of those, some of those opportunities. Yeah. Um, but look, I suppose that that's the conversation, isn't it? Yeah. About about where that goes, I, I, I definitely know the startups are are too far down that risk curve. Sure. The real question is, where up from there is Rata going to sit? And, and that's probably going to be a position we develop over the next eighteen months. I think, as as I said, as the industry sort of develops further. Yeah. Well, it's an exciting time. <laughs> There's a lot going on, isn't there? The the World Forum was here in Christchurch, and yeah. you know, sixteen hundred people or more, possibly, you know, were there talking about these things. And I think the profile was raised, and so yeah, I was, I was actually disappointed that that was about three or four weeks before I, before I started down here. Uh, so I see. Um, it might have been a fortnight 
So yeah. yeah, I didn't quite make it down for that. Just missed it. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, I was there, and um, it was pretty exciting stuff. And particularly the opening ceremony, it just had a real energy. Right. Um, there was some wonderful songs being sung by some um, children um, in Maori, and so I, it, yeah, I guess you had to be there. But it was like a a real nice moment of we've come together and we're all here and we're looking at purpose and yeah so it fit really well um, with where things are heading I think so that's really great I really appreciate your going into that um, I just want to touch on a couple other things because we've talked about your life and your career and different you know going here and there um, and then we've also talked about what you're involved in now I just would like to circle back to some things um, about the word purpose and one of the things we talk about is thinking back on our lives. Uh, I like to ask the question, you know, if you could go back and give yourself advice <laughs> or, you know, what sort of things might you say to your younger self? Is there anything that sticks out for you there? Yeah, look, I think the, f the first thing that I'd say is, is, you know, be confident in your own shadow. Mm. And, and, you know, you've got to stay true to yourself. And, and often we're influenced by people around us and, and how do you maintain, you know, your own sense of identity through that? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's one thing I'd say. Next thing is, is I'd probably say work hard. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if it was easy, it would have already been done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, work hard because if you want to make meaningful change, it, it's going to be a hard road. So, mm -hmm. so get prepared for that. Uh, always seek to learn and improve. I think it's another important, important thing. And probably... Um, just enjoy the people and the experiences you have along the way. Mm. You know, one thing I've I've been really grateful is that I've met some really neat people mm. um, that are doing some awesome things, whether it be in their community or or, or whatever. Um, and it's just really neat to meet those people. Uh, yeah, I, so yeah, enjoy enjoy the pe people and the experiences that mm. you have along the way. Mm. Enjoy the process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just thinking about the, the word failure or things that you've learned in that sense from failures? Yeah, look, uh, experiences are only failures if you don't learn from them. So, uh, so I'm really big around that mm -hmm. um, because, you know, the, the lens that you look at, at failure on is really important. Mm. You know, and I know in my own life I've seen times when I have, I have got things wrong. Mm. And, you know, an example I talked about before was not having the balance right between my mental, emotional, spiritual and physical well-being. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so when you get those those um, experiences or failures, mm. then, you know, it's how you learn from that and how mm. you come back from it, as, mm. as one um, person once said to me. So, look, I think that, that's what I sort of think about yeah. the word failure. So it's the wrong, um, the wrong thought to think of it as failure because there are experiences that you you grow through or you learn from yeah, if, it, if they're treated the right way. <laughs> yeah, look, if, uh, if you don't learn from the experiences, then then they're a failure. Yeah. But even really negative experiences can have a learning outcome yeah. and then therefore they're not a failure. Yeah, I, when I look back at my life, the, the failures, you know, quote mark, failures are definitely the times that I learn the most. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The successful times is usually when I was pretty complacent and not really pushing. Um, so, you know... I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, you you got to keep pushing your own boundaries, you know, and just mm. seeing, you know, seeing how good you are and how yeah. good you can be and 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 what's the other thing that's really important about those failures is to support you or get around you a support crew mm. that that can keep 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 you going because yeah. you know 
some when things aren't going so well it's not always the easiest to do so yeah um, you've got to what, have a good what support sort of team. what sort of people do you want on your support team look i, th- I think people that, that need to be positive you know um, i like surrounding myself with positive people mm. um uh, I, and look my, my wife's a great support so again i think you need people that are going to support you both mentally emotionally spiritually and, and physically mm. and so you need you need to make sure that whole order uh, is the term that I'm used to using mm. that your whole order is supported by a range of people mm-hmm. um, we all need a circle of friends that or, or colleagues or um, family that that are there to lift us up mm. so yeah that, that's the type of people that I'm looking for when, yeah. I, when I do that yeah well that's great I love the emphasis that you've got on these different areas of life as well because I think so often we get focused on one of them and, and then exclude the others. And you know, oh, Look, that, that's really important and, and I suppose that's one thing I've noticed um, so far is that, that when one of those is out, hmm. then they influence all the other things. Yeah. And yeah. so, y- you know, you've got, you've, you've got, and you've got to work at all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, we... we you know, go to the gym twice a week. Well, okay, so that that's great physically, but mm. what are we doing mentally? Yeah. And then, okay, so we take some time out to look at ourselves and to just think about life. Okay, so what are we doing spiritually? Mm. You know, and okay, so we take time out to go to church or to whatever, however we're going to do that. Mm. Um, and then, what are we, what are we doing emotionally? Mm. You know, how are we connecting with people and making our lives meaningful? So. Yep. You know, invariably when we get busy, one of those things suffer. Yeah. And then, then the apple cart starts getting a bit wobbly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But the reality is they're all foundations that our lives are built on. And if one of them isn't stable, then the others are also going to tip up. Yeah. So if you're, you know, you, you got the mental side down, no problem. Oh, wait a minute. This other bit is now influencing because you've forgotten the other, the other parts of life. So, Leighton, it's been great to talk with you. I just wonder if we could talk a little bit, um, when, I, when we talk about purpose, I also like to talk with people about their inspiration and sort of what is it that keeps them going, what keeps them motivated. Um, so I'd just be curious if you have any thoughts about that. Uh, yeah, so, so the first um, thing that inspires me is, is God. So... I'm inspired and grateful, you know, just to be part of something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I've been graced with uh, supernatural opportunities, I think, um, and I've been inspired by the responsibility that that creates. I think, um, and my wife and kids are probably an, another inspiration, and and they inspire me to be the best that I can be. Mm. And and I suppose what what God and my family teach me is ultimately love. Mm. And so I'm motivated by love and care and, and concern for people, and they, you know, they've really taught me that. So I suppose that that's really important to me. Uh, the other group that, that have really inspired me are the people that I've worked with and, and met, mm. and yeah, the passion and energy that with which they, they attack their challenges mm. you know, really encourages me to go, yeah, look, let, let's go for it, mm. and, and to contribute you know my talents with the same energy and passion so i suppose that you know drives back to purpose mm. you know um so i'm really really inspired by by the groups that i see around me people that i meet so yeah 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 so you draw inspiration from them and then that motivates you to do whatever you're doing yeah mm. yeah and and look as i said before i've seen some super net i've had some supernatural opportunities that that you know you really go wow that's awesome um mm. met some really 
clever, talented people doing some awesome work. And yeah, you, so that inspires you to be better and you go, yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. So. I feel the same with this podcast. I meet all types of people and it's really fascinating because I, I feel like I can draw strength from their stories, which is why I started it actually. You know, yeah, yeah. it's an excuse to meet people and it's an excuse to hear stories because so often in life we don't really know the background to someone and why they do what they do. Um, so I love the idea of drawing inspiration from others to then feel inspired myself to go out and do something that maybe is a little bit different than I would have been if I didn't know them or I hadn't heard that story. So, uh, yeah, I know what, you, what you're saying really resonates with me. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's good. Leighton, I really appreciate your time today. I feel like we've been able to go quite deep in a number of different areas, and um, so that's been really helpful. And um, I hope that as you settle into Christchurch that you feel welcome and, and find ways that you can contribute. And um, I'm sure that Rata Foundation will continue to find people to support and fund. So, um, yeah, welcome to Canterbury and um, look forward to seeing how things evolve and develop while you're here. Look, thanks, Stephen. Thank you for the opportunity to share my stories. Well, there's a lot of depth in that interview with Leighton, and so I hope you both enjoyed it, but also were challenged by some of the things that he had to say. The thing that always surprises me with these podcasts is the broad range of topics that you can cover in a relatively short amount of time, and also hearing about people's stories and what it is that motivates them. Now, in next week's episode, we'll be speaking with Camille Young, who practiced in Europe as an architect before moving to New Zealand. We talk with her about architecture, but also about community building. Here's an excerpt from the interview with Camille. I am very hard on myself. I have a really, what I would call, strong inner critic. Um, I, would, I, would, I would go gently. Mm-hmm. Be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's a more enjoyable journey. You don't have to change the journey, but just yeah, be kind to yourself. You, it, you don't have to suffer this one. Try to, try to enjoy it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> rather than, you know, it's, it's, I have this image of somebody flogging themselves as they're going. Yeah. And instead, I think it could have been carrying roses. Right. You know? <laughs> Maybe laughing a little bit more. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, my mission right now, the thing that I'm trying to um, manifest in this year is to move towards joyousness. Right. So it's a little bit of that kind of like, okay, let's loosen up the, the inner critic and, and try to cultivate yeah. another voice. Well, I do hope you can join me for that and other upcoming episodes. And don't forget, there's about 30 other interviews in the back catalog, so you might want to check some of those out. And consider telling one or two friends about this show if you found it helpful. Until next time.